This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 811 with Ophira Eisenberg. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 811. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Ophira Eisenberg is returning to the show. I'm so excited to have her again. She's hilarious. You'll also get to rehear the story of how we met in a hot tub because that's just a story that needs to be told more than once on this show. I'm so excited to have her back. So she came on the show a few years ago to talk about her book. At the time, her book was her new baby. And actually, I think she talked about her son at the time too. I'm like trying to remember all the things that we covered. She also talked about her son, I believe, on that episode as well, uh, becoming a mother unexpectedly a little later in life. And this time she's coming back to talk about her podcast, Parenting is a Joke. So Ophira is hugely accomplished in writing, in the comedy world, in TV and radio. So here's a little bit about her, but the list really goes on and on. I feel like there's nothing she hasn't touched in her comedy and writing career. And her comedy writing and radio career, I should say. So Ophira Eisenberg is a stand-up comedian, writer, and the host of the new comedy podcast, Parenting is a Joke with iHeartRadio. She also hosted NPR's Ask Me Another, where she interviewed hundreds of celebrities, including Rosie Perez, Aquafina, Roxanne Gay, oh, one of my favorite writers, Nick Kroll, Chelsea Handler, and more. She's appeared multiple times on CBS's The Late Late Show, Comedy Central, HBO, and the New York Festival, and is a regular host and teller on the Moth Radio Hour. Her stories are incredible. I actually got to see her at the Moth in New York in real life one time. And it was so incredibly fun. If you ever get a chance to go to a moth storytelling show, please, please, please go. Her stories are included in three of the moth's best selling collections, including their most recent How to Tell a Story, The Essential Guide to Memorable Storytelling from the Moth. Her memoir, Screw Everyone, Sleeping My Way to Monogamy, was optioned for a television series. And her new comedy special, Plant Based Jokes, is streaming on YouTube. Her solo show, Leaving a Mark, a comedy about scars, recently made its off-Broadway debut to rave reviews and won the Women in the Arts and Media Award for solo show scripts. So Ophira's kind of a big deal. (laughs) 
that's just all we're gonna like I think we've proven that now we're done the interview's done so Ophira is incredible I'm so honored to be able to call her a friend and now I can call her a podcasting colleague we have so much fun in this conversation so listen to hear Ophira share her journey as a stand-up comedian working evenings in New York City who also while also being a mom and having no other moms around her that are living that kind of a lifestyle working late nights in comedy in New York She also shares what inspired her podcast, Parenting is a Joke. She talks about what it's like to be working in comedy as a mom in her 50s versus back when she was in her 20s and 30s. She shares the contrast of what is universally experienced for men versus women in comedy. She talks about how she prepares herself to be confident on stage, even if she feels like she's faking it, which is so interesting because when you watch Ophira or like any comedian on stage, you just assume that they feel like they were born to be there and they are extremely confident and feel like they can just take on the world. And Ophira tells us that that's mostly fake. (laughs) And then she shares the tenacity and resilience she's navigated having been in comedy for decades in an industry that requires constant reinvention. This conversation is fun. It gives you some behind the scenes stories into life as a comedian. And I also just think that you're going to learn a little bit about continuing to reinvent yourself and showing up for what whatever version of yourself is most present and available right now and making the most of that. So with that, join me in welcoming back to the show, Ophira Eisenberg. Ophira, welcome back to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to see you, Sarah, because, well, when you say welcome back, it's been a while. Like I'm always sort of, uh, I feel like, you know, this is how it goes. I listen to you. So sometimes I'm like, I'm caught up on her life, but that is the beauty of the podcast world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know we shared, and I'll link to the episode that we did a few years ago, but in that episode, we shared how we met and I just have to share it again quickly because it's, it's such a good story (laughs) because there's like, I don't get to say this about anyone else in my life that we met. I know. Right. So we have to always talk about it. We met in a hot tub in Mexico and (laughs) I hope that a whole bunch of listeners also can say that they've met friends in a hot tub in Mexico. Oh, you Playa Escondido. Yes, yeah. Playa Escondido. You're from New York. We're from Seattle. We're both in this little resort in Mexico. And we met in a hot tub one night. And then I spent the rest of the week like, I really want to be friends and hang out. <laughs> so we did yeah. hang out multiple more times. It was super. We did yoga on the beach one day. We phenomenal. did. We went on, uh, thank goodness for you guys, you found this cool trip. Then we went snorkeling. Oh, yeah. And I think those are still some of the best snorkeling I've done with the fish and the yeah. different sea life. It was excellent. Yes. So yes. well done. I still, I mean, this was before both of us had kids. So this is like 10 plus years ago. And oh, yeah. I still have, you're still my only vacation friend I made. Me too. <laughs> I, Me too. I haven't made any other hot tub friends in Mexico. I, I, you know, I think also when you do it once, you're like, it's not going to get better. Right, so. Exactly. Like, <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. So when you were last here on the show, you had, Lucas was little, little, and Lucas is now seven. Yeah. So you have now been parenting for seven years and everything just Holy keeps changing. And now you great. have a podcast. And so you've moved, you're shifting from Right. And, and I'm going to let you fill in the gaps because I don't know if you're still doing some sure. radio stuff, but you were doing some significant radio stuff when you last were on the show. And now you are shifting into podcasting. You have your own podcast. Parenting is a joke. You have the first season out. The second season is coming right up. So can you talk a little bit about that shift and the inspiration behind the show? Yeah. So the shift. Uh, so truly, I've been playing around with the idea of this show that is now called Parenting is a Joke for a while because so I had a child, as you mentioned, and as a, I do stand up comedy primarily. And as someone who works in a job that takes place at night and a job that is very, I would say, not compatible or friendly to having a small child in your life, I was like, wow, how are people doing this? And at the time I looked around, Sarah, and I was like, oh, there's not many, first of all, no women, reason. but also just, I didn't see any, like most of the women I knew in, in stand-up at the time were, yeah, I mean, they could be in relationships, but definitely did not have children. Mm. And then all of us, so I thought, this is interesting. I'm all alone. <laughs> <laughs> and then I felt like within two or three years of that, I looked around and all of these women were pregnant or I would say acquiring children because not everyone was pregnant. Some people used surrogates. They were in the process of adoption. They, you know, what in a blended family, all these different ways of making a family, but all of a sudden 
female comics and some male comics around me were building families. And I thought, why now? Why is this happening now? It's not like this job start is different. It's still at night. It's not the hours of an average of school, <laughs> for example. It's like your kid comes home and you're like, bye, put yourself to bed. And, you know, these comics and, and stand-ups are usually people that are mining their life all the time for yeah. material. And I thought, how do I put these people together? This is a very specific time. How do I talk about this? And I also, because I did the whole thing old, <laughs> I wanted to talk to other people who had lives that were not reflected in mainstream parenting books, mainstream pregnancy books, mainstream books that were talking to mothers, because none of the, I say books, but it's many other things, none of that stuff spoke to me. Mm, yeah. did not speak to my life. And, you know, so it was the old thing about if you can't find what you're looking for, maybe you have to make it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then I was working at NPR. That job ended at the end of the pandemic. Ugh, it's a live show. And yeah, had had it barely limped, limped, <laughs> limped along in our kitchen on I think it was on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Like, oh, there's Ophira. <laughs> yeah, it limped along during the pandemic and I was like, oh God, are we going to be sacrificed? And then it ended very sad. Nothing I could do anything about. I did my best people. But then <laughs> I thought, all right, well, I couldn't do another project at the time because it would, would have been a conflict. So I had this project and I just started going out into the marketplace mm -hmm. and seeing if anyone wanted to help me make it. And uh, I found someone and I put together a team of all their Actually, everyone on the team right now, small team, but they're all women who are parents with relatively small children. And it's great because nobody ever has to make an excuse, right? <laughs> no one ever has to justify their everyone's hardworking, gets everything done. But it's so nice to mm -hmm. not have to say anything like, you know, someone's like, I can't one o'clock. I've got to go to a, a school performance. We're like, go, go, go. Yeah, everyone's yeah. on everyone's side. It's oh. great. Love it. And we talked a little bit about this before hitting record, but there's also in podcasting versus radio, the creative freedom that you have and the ability to bring your own life and stories and lessons and conversations into podcasting. It's just like endless material and so much fun to be in that format. Talk a little bit about that versus being in radio where you're like handed a very specific role with lots of limits and frameworks and, and rules to work within. Yeah. And not only that, but sometimes because I was still working in entertainment in radio, but sometimes uh, actually quite often I like jokes would be fact-checked, which, mm -hmm. you know, really was the integrity of a news organization, but it's hard to <laughs> <laughs> check jokes because guess what <laughs> jokes are not always accurate no one has a joke about the third biggest fish they caught just mm. to be clear <laughs> <laughs> right, right so there were some, some limitations there yeah so there was a lot of limitations because you are within this larger framework where sometimes people are just telling you purely what to say they're like here's the script and you're like all right and often they was just putting it within the voice of this organization and making sure it all was uniform with that and then you know, here I am in the the wild, wild, a uh, free place of podcasting. And actually the freedom of it is almost dizzying. I catch myself. I literally, I, you know, I swore the other day and then I was like, oh God, we'll have to retake that. And then I thought, oh, oh no, I, I could say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <You're allowed. laughs> or if you mess up, you know, I, we would retake things endlessly to make sure they were perfect. Mm. Uh, and now I find which is a style. And now I find like, I always like to sound well-spoken, but right. if I, sometimes when I, I've been talking to other podcasters and they say, oh my goodness, if I edited out my mess ups, I think my listeners would be, let feel let down. They yeah. like that casual, yes. intimate nature of it. Yes. It's a little different. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is 
around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. I agree. There is an intimacy to it. And if you're too polished, it doesn't feel intimate anymore. It feels like you're like you're on a webinar or like doing a training or something. There's a woman in the business space who I followed for many years. And when she first started out podcasting and she speaks mostly to entrepreneurs. And when she first started out podcasting, because she was like, it's business content. She wanted to be really businessy and you could tell she was like reading from a script and it was, the content was really high quality. So I'm like taking fastidious notes about like how to build your business and how to build an email sequence and all these different things. But listening to her was painful because you could tell that it was painful for her to like try to make it so perfect. And after her first year, she started to kind of loosen things. And she finally did an episode where she was like, I've gotten some feedback and my friends, (laughs) my friends tell me like, Hey, you know, you're actually a fun person, but that's not showing through on the podcast. Like it's so buttoned up that it's like, you could be reaching more people and make people feel more comfortable and connected to the content if you let it be a little more raw. And so she stopped editing all the things all the time and trying to make it so perfect. Oh my God. It was like a million times better. So I love that you're letting yourself be a little fumbly, even though you are working with the, in the art of comedy and wanting things, there is like a level of precision that I think is, you know, that you want to hit, but it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. And you know what? It is taking me a long time to unwind it because I too was so, so, so like I had a script and sometimes we would do pickups, which in uh, if you don't know listeners, that's basically like you record something and then the producers listen to it and then they call you up and go come back into record and you're taking bits and pieces again that they are going to insert 
in the master. And sometimes it was like, retake all of it. <laughs> like some, you know, in the beginning, in the beginning, as I, as, as years went on, I did it, but just unloosening all of those reins. Yeah. And it's harder work than I thought, which is good. Always nimble, I think is the word that we I use. Mean, you must be nimble. <laughs> yes. And you are a very nimble person. So, and I want to talk a little bit more about that because I've, it's been so fun to watch you from afar, you know, since our hot tub introduction <laughs> and watch you from afar and see the things that you've had your hands in the projects you've had your hands in and also how you navigated. I remember after Lucas was born thinking like, how long is she going to wait before she like goes back on stage? And like, that just seems Ugh. like such a tricky, hard, overwhelming thing. And mostly because you have to stay up late. Like, <laughs> like most people, Oh like, yes. That still. was the only limitation I saw. I was like, how is she staying up till like midnight or even 10 p.m. It's um, it is never mind still like that. Else. Yeah. No, it oh but and I went back, you know, in hindsight 2020, it is I went back too soon and there was part of me that felt like if I didn't get back out there I would lose my mm -hmm. space. Truly. Yeah. I would just yeah. lose my space. And not to say that doesn't happen because I think it does happen, but it did feel again at the time like I didn't want to give anyone another reason not to book a woman. Yeah. Because I've heard it before. I've yeah. heard it before. I, I remember being on the phone with a, a road booker. This was before I had a child, a guy that was going to send me all around the country at different theaters or clubs. And he said, I got to ask you something like, are you planning on having children ever? Because I don't know if I and I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I get it on one level. Right. But on another level, I highly doubt he asked any of his male clients that. Yes. Yes. All of that. Yeah. So yeah. you just felt this whole thing. So I did go back on stage and, you know, there is something about being on stage where you are in a, you are, it's almost when people talk about disassociating with reality <laughs> and how they, that's a bad thing on one level. Some people mm -hmm. say it's a wonderful survival mm -hmm. technique, can be quite healing and going on stage can be like that. You are removed from yeah. reality. Yeah. And you were in a different space, even if you're talking about reality for yeah. whatever it is, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. And uh, it's refreshing. <laughs> I was just going to say, is that like the, a joyous escape? Yeah. I mean, you still have to deal with the, you know, the, your audience and wherever they are at. And you, you, you're ultimately your job is to, you know, make them laugh. So there is something there that you have to react to and deal with. I don't go on stage and I'm like, whatever happens, happens. I don't care. Right. <laughs> like, I still want to do a good job. It is, there's this freedom. Some, and I didn't even realize it, how much of that until I, you know, had a kid. And I was like, oh, sometimes when I'm going on these stages, I, it's a little bit like a, you know, a, I wouldn't say a spa treatment, but I walk off refreshed. Yes. So I've had the experience of speaking and especially if I'm out of town, like being up on a stage and then getting off stage and going back to my hotel room and then being like, oh yeah, I have a child. I should, should I call home? Like you go so into this zone that you really forget that like you have any other components to your life. And you know, you have I have to, to yourself. Yes, I have talked to so many comics about with children. Have you brought your kid with you to your gig? But and same idea, like, have you brought your kid to your speaking engagement? And across the board, they've all said, I can't, because it is such a different brain frame. Exactly yeah. to your point, like you have to be so it's a very individualized, special kind of focus. You, you really uh, can't take into account that many people's different needs. Yes. 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 Yeah. And totally. then you come off and you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about being a working, a mom working in comedy in your fifties and also recognizing yeah. that, you know, when we watch like social media and Netflix specials and all that, it, you know, there's a lot of like 20 and 30 year old child free folks oh, yeah. having comedy specials. <laughs> What is it like to be in the space that you're in and also see, you know, up and comers? Yeah. You know, what I look into the audience and it's changing a bit more now because I would say right after COVID, when people were starting to go out, you would look into your audience and no one was over 35. It was just the youngest, like you felt like, wow, the audiences are unbelievably young. And it freaked me out a little bit because I was like, am I speaking to their life? And you know what? My job is not 
to speak directly to so how could i possibly speak to anyone's particular life it is great when someone else goes oh i relate to that 100% but there are plenty there's plenty of material to be mined that is all of our shared consciousness and all of our shared experience but i feel very strongly sarah that when i go on stage and i talk about being a mom or what it is like to have a kid i feel if i had a little bit of a mission, subversive mission, is because I feel like when most men get on that stage and talk about any part of their experience in the world, it is seen as universal. Mm, They could be talking about their dicks and it's seen as universal for both men, women, non-binary, everybody. Yeah. And yet when I get on stage and talk about being a mom, it's specific. No, 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 no. It's universal. Yeah. It is more, it should be more universal. So I'm actually constantly kind of shoving it out there on purpose because it's getting much better. It's getting much better just the more people that are truly having kids in the community, whether you're talking about Amy Schumer or, I mean, there's another comic almost every day that I'm like, you're pregnant? Amazing. <laughs> or like, you've decided to have a kid? Great. So it's opening up the conversation and changing it. And no one feels like they have to pretend they are something they are not, because that's what this Mm. form was supposed to be about in the beginning. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's great. So I see the up and comers. I love it. And actually, you know, anyone that is in their mid-20s, I would say, let's just pretend mid-20s is where they're starting out. So much more open-minded and cool than Mm. I think like a few generations down yeah so much more interesting and i feel like those audiences are pretty good too and they're energetic but you do have to it's the attack of it you have to say to them this is a shared experience or you know what here's a crazy thought come on my carpet ride to something you haven't experienced and still understand it and laugh like every woman has (laughs) done for her entire life exactly (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly why whoever invented this like oh if i why aren't you talking about my life i'm not i don't know your life how could i possibly talk to your life right oh my gosh i love this so much it makes so much sense and i'm so (laughs) grateful that (laughs) the closer you are and it's hard the closer you are to talking about the truth the better it's always going to be yeah yeah because that is what connects people i'm trying to imagine if you had made a decision and I'm sure there's people that do this and maybe you did do this at one time, but if you'd made a decision to try to compartmentalize motherhood to be like, okay, motherhood lives over here and my comic work is over here. And so I'm going to put this in a container here because I want to be able to be universally understood and received. And so I'm not going to talk about it. And I'm thinking like how less meaningful your work would be over time how much less connection you would have to your work, how much of it would feel like a grind versus like a, you know, passionate pursuit of something that you're really talented around. And I'm wondering if you, if there was ever a temptation to do that, if you see other people do that, or do you know, like, I'm just going into this full force with my actual real life. Yeah. I wish, well, I'm just going to say right now, I am not brave every day. There's plenty of times, there's plenty of times where I just want to, yeah, be like the others. I'm just like, oh, yes. And sometimes I get in my head, I'm like, oh, all all the stuff I have to say about parenting and being a mom is, you know, it's not speaking to this crowd and they really want to hear about, I don't know, I'm just making stuff up, but like edibles and dog walking and and whatever. And so I will be like, well, I, I have some material about that, so I'll shove that in. And as much as I just, as much as collectively an audience can be so many things they also people smell um inauthenticity and so when you and i think you feel it too so when you're not out there doing what is like right inside of you and makes mm-hmm. sense to throw out there they smell it and so both of you are like Meh. and so i do poorly i sit there and go oh i'm gonna shovel out to you exactly what i think you want and i fail all that you just said is an entire universal lesson right there. Like, because this is also what we do everywhere. Like we do this in all of our realms. And so I'm thinking about like a woman who's not necessarily going to go get on stage, but a woman who's going to just go into her boss's office and try to show up as the person the boss expects her to be versus being herself and how that interaction goes. If you, depending on which route you choose, 
And we know that when you consistently show up as, you know, what other people in, in service of other people in terms of what that's right versus what you being truly yourself and bringing what you need or want to bring to the table, it's not going to work out. Like you're going to be miserable. It doesn't work out for me as your mental health. You're going to get burnt out. You're going to hate the people that you're serving. You're going to probably hate yourself too. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And you know what? I will say it's revealed to me over time and it's a work in progress all the time because sometimes I'm like, oh, I need a joke about Uber. Like, yeah, I'll just get in these weird brain frames where I'm like, I need this universal topic or, you know, and I, from doing storytelling with the moth specifically, but also in other storytelling stages and audio ventures, that requires you to really only to really talk about the truth of an experience and and not make it about how great you were it's actually better if you make it about how maybe you weren't great that moment and the truth of that that's what people remember that's what they hang on to and so that was very helpful in me learning to trust that side of it but also when i was doing stand-up pregnant Mm. i could not get around what was I couldn't pretend to be something I wasn't. There was no compromise. It was so obvious. And I would get on stage and think to myself all the time, God, this is so much easier doing it right now because I don't have to be anyone else. Mm. And I just kept thinking that. It's like, all I have to do is go up there and talk about the truth of the experience. All I have to do. And I, you know, I think as a woman, too, especially on stage, but I think that, again, off stage in many ways, you want to seem sexually interesting and attractive to a whole swath. And maybe being a parent or a mom doesn't like hit those same chords. It's not cool. Like, so there's all of these ways in which it seems that you're like, how do I still come across as that? Right. And, and it's like, it really is just every day going like, this is what it is. And if you look at me on stage and, and go, well, that's not cool. Then I guess, I'm just going to tell you, yeah, well, I guess I'm not cool then. Oh, well. <laughs> right. Well, and if you can embrace that, and I've talked about this on the show, not in a, quite a while, but if you can embrace the thing that like you are worried about getting called out or not even worried, but like maybe suspicious that you might get called out on, like not being cool. Like if you so if much you easier lead with that to be like, so by the way, I'm super not cool. <laughs> then it's like, they can't catch you. And that yeah. gives you all the power. So to lead with like any of the things where you might have those insecurities, which can feel very uncomfortable. But if you lead with that in a confident way, like then they will believe that you have confidence around that thing. And they, yeah. can, you know, and there's another thing too. You can just go, Hey, I'm cool. And people will go, okay. Yeah. They'll just take it at face value. Yeah. But if you're muddy about it and like a little unclear about it, then everyone starts making assumptions, right? Totally. Totally. Yeah. I just had this parenting experience where some, I'm going to brag because I feel like I did a really good job on this one. So, <gasps> okay. Um, and there's a lot of things I don't do a good job on, but Vinny was trying out for this baseball all-star team. It's like this postseason team and like 12 kids get picked. And he, so he had to do tryouts. He's never had to try out for anything. He was nervous for a week about it. And the night before tryouts, he went to the park with two friends and the, they're all throwing the ball around and Vinny's missing like every ball. So he, after five <laughs> balls that he misses, he takes off his glove. He like throws it across the field. Mm-hmm. He's screaming. He's crying. He's just a disaster. And I'm with another mom and I'm like, oh God, like, I'm like embarrassed. I'm like, of course, of course, so humiliated. I, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is like, this isn't how I raised you to throw your glove across the fields, like screaming at your friends. And so I go over to talk to him and he's like, I missed five balls in a row. And that means I'm going to miss five balls in a row tomorrow. And it's gonna, I'm not going to make the team. And so then I said, you know, tomorrow, if you miss a ball and you start crying or you crumble and you j- show that you're not confident, the coaches are going to believe you. They're going to be like, oh, look, he's not confident. They will believe that. But if you miss a ball and you're like, oh, miss that one. Okay. Where's the next one? And you're like ready. And you just ignore the fact that you missed it because you're making an assumption. You're going to get the next one. And you're confident around that they're going to see that confidence and they're going to be like, oh, we want that kid. Cause he's always ready for the next thing. He's not like taking a beat to like have to go sit in the dugout and cry for five minutes. And so he, when he went to tryouts the next day, confident, like incredible confidence, he nailed a bunch of stuff. He didn't think he could do. And then he made the team. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and I don't take ownership for all of it. He obviously has a decent level of skill, but like compared to a lot of his friends, his skill level is not that high. And I'm like, see, dude, like it's, you pretended it's, to be confident and they believed you. 
Listen, I think that is the greatest gift that you gave him was just even starting the idea of that kind of mindset, because I feel like that is my daily work. And I go on stage all the time. I go on stage all the time. People are like, oh, do you ever get nervous? I'm like every single, every single time I have to go up there and I have to build up my confidence every single time. And when I don't do it, I suffer because you know, like, am I like, sometimes I want to try new material. You know how much confidence you have to have to just get up there and throw out new material, throw out a new Uber joke, throw out a new Uber joke. That's probably going to fail. And then you got to sit in that failure and look at the audience and go, it's fine. Don't get worried for me. Right. Because audiences get worried. I've been that person in the audience. Like all of a sudden, like brutal, like all empathetic bleeding hearts are like, Oh my God, should we give her flowers now? Like, Yeah. And I think like the variation, I th- as I've done it for so many years, I think the variation for the audience of where I'm coming from emotional is getting smaller and smaller, smaller. But the variance for me in my soul is still huge. Yeah. Yeah. Between feeling that like unstoppable, unbeatable, I'm going to get up there and like, this is just what I do. It is easy to the like, oh my God, I got, okay, let's do this. You're great. You're great. People are still going to love you. It's going to be fine. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you have any rituals or anything you do to like get into that confident place? I mean, I've learned over the years that really the best ritual is a verbal rehearsal. Like I mm. just at, say Walking out loud it. my ideas, even if I don't stick to it once I get up there, mm-hmm. but it is just the confidence that I yeah. have the words down of yeah. what I want to say. And then I do a little bit of like, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to spontaneously combust. There'll be another show. All the people that love you will still love you. <laughs> Like your husband, Jonathan, like he's not, we're not going to get divorced if this doesn't go well. Yeah. And then I do a little bit of like the, I do my why, you know, your why. And I go, I do this because I like having a good time and I want others to have a good time. Mm -hmm. And this is how I feel like with this, I can bring both of those things together. And that's when it's at its best. But sometimes when I do that work, it is taxing and I don't Mm -hmm. even want to do that work. I distract myself. I sabotage, do all the things. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. Yes. Totally with you on all of that. I want to talk a little bit about, because you've really demonstrated this, about tenacity and resilience and what that has looked like for you being decades into a career in comedy, because you don't get very far in comedy without having to have a tremendous amount of both of those things, tenacity and resilience. Can you speak to that a bit? Yeah. Well, also because the industry just changes so much. I think back to coming to New York to do stand up now almost 20 years ago and there was no social media so the way in which you even like got yourself out there or got your stuff out there has totally changed the way that television has changed and so part of it is just stay like people talk about how do you stay relevant and mm-hmm. Judy Gold you might know that stand up a uh, very popular stand up and she's got a great podcast but she and she's a little bit older than me and she has I remember we had a conversation not so long ago where she goes isn't it insane the amount of times you have to reinvent yourself isn't it insane and 
you want to just push up against that and go, I don't want to do that. And then, but that is part of the job. And I think it is just the reality of life of like, you're reinventing yourself all the time. You are like looking at what's around you and going like, okay, based on this, I'm going to do this. I can't imagine someone saying to me, I need to find a new job. So I'm going to go door to door and hand my resume. It's like, well, no one's going to hire you like that. You have to go through the avenues that are digital. It would just seem like, what are you doing? So I feel as much as I've I think I never wanted to be tenacious. I never wanted to be nimble. I never wanted to reinvent myself. But the truth is, it's just growth. If you look at it from another side and just go like, do you want to grow with this? Do you want to rethink it? Wouldn't it, isn't new fun? Sometimes I go, I'm so sick of starting from scratch again. And then the other part of me tries to hit my head where I go, but isn't new beginnings like one of the things you love the most? Yeah. starting something is super fun. So look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you did like, I had to do all the things I never wanted to do. I'm not particularly into uh TikTok now. I, I appreciate for what it is, but there became a point in my uh, career not so long ago where it was like, you want to get it out there. You got to be on all these social, like you just have yeah. to, it is part of your job. So stop pushing against it. Embrace. Are you telling me I need to go on TikTok? <laughs> I feel like you were really, really targeting me. With- <laughs> I think you're fine. I think you're doing just fine. But you do a lot of stuff on social media. A lot I of stuff on social amount. media. Yeah, I do a decent yeah. on Instagram. But that, that's where I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this. I know I can like connect them or something. I don't know. Anyway. so Connect them. That's what I did. P.S. Okay, that's what I, know, I did. But, and I have another friend. I actually have multiple friends who are and actually multiple women in their 50s who are like, it's all happening on TikTok. <laughs> They're like, we are spinning our wheels on Instagram. We went over to TikTok and we built like actually really great things over there. And I'm like, oh God, but I have to learn something new. <laughs> it, yeah. Just to make me bring your temperature down on that is super easy. I know. Okay. So there you go. Maybe that could be an end of 2023 goal for me. <laughs> there you go. And don't worry, there'll be a new one next year that we will right, all have right? to See, this is adhere to. This is yeah. the thing. Because I know there's so many people, I'm not one of those people who are early adopters who are like, oh my gosh, they see this thing coming and they have this sense that like, it's going to be big. So I'm going to get in early. And I am like, so the opposite. I'm like, I'm going to wait and see how other people do and see like, if it's really going to stick. And then I'm going to probably wait too long. <laughs> <And> then- <laughs> That's, I mean, you're speaking my language. That is, I'm not an early adopter either. I've said all the time, I am not a pioneer. I'm like, where's the cute bakery? I will live in that apartment. Like, that's who (laughs) I am. Totally. I remember listening to Brene Brown. This was during the pandemic, maybe six months in. Mm. She was talking about change and she read this quote, which I'm going to, I'm not even going to try to do say the quote because okay. I'll butcher it. But the main point, it was from this guy, uh, Jim Collins, who's the author of the book, good to great. And he's done a bunch of other professional development stuff or personal development stuff and professional development. But the quote was about change and it was basically like change is inevitable and it's always happening and it's going to keep happening. And so Brene Brown's point was like, yes, we're in this time where like everything is flipped upside down, but like this is where we've always been, like maybe not to this extreme, but like we've always been in this world that is constantly changing, growing, evolving. And that's where we're always going to be. And I was like, I remember like pushing pause and just being like, screw you, Brene. Like I am just waiting to go back to normal where everything is predictable and it's the same every day. And, and I was so mad because she was so right. And I think that the more we can embrace that and we can embrace that like reinvention is great and reinvention invites growth and reinvention can be fun and creative. Then there's an ease and a joy that can come with all of that versus this like tension against it. And I've really been trying to focus on that because being 20 years into being an entrepreneur, the same thing, I mean, different than being a comic, but in terms of reinvention, it's like, now we have to do it this way. And now we have to do it that way. And like, I just had it. I mean, I literally like before the pandemic was like, okay, so here's like what our yearly template is going to be for the shameless mom Academy. We're going to do this in the fall and this in the spring. And it all got blown up. And now I'm like, you can't plan anything on an annual basis at the, like, that is just not the world we live in anymore. Damn it. So I'm like, I guess we're just like going 90 days at a time. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. And even maybe. that feels risky. <laughs> all of it. No. And all of it. And I, everybody, I mean, like you talk to people about change. There is not one person out there who will be like, you know what? I love change. Nobody <laughs> likes it. 
nobody likes it. Yeah. We sort of like, oh, it's it's fun to be uh, challenged, kinda in hindsight, uh, but no one really likes it. And I'm not good at it. I'm not here telling you like, oh, Sarah figured it out. But I am constantly thinking about ways to just reframe it and make it sound easier to me. Yeah, because I yeah. do think it's part of life. And I do think the how we experience change right now is so much more rapid, probably because it's yes. things that just feel kind of unstable all over the place, because we're still recovering from, I don't know, a few years of global trauma. Yes, yes. <laughs> I laugh. <laughs> but things haven't found their footing. But I, you know, even in my world with ticket sales, People are losing their minds because it used to be that you would put a show for sale in New York and they would, you know, you'd have an idea of what the house was going to look like a few weeks ahead of time. Now everyone buys their tickets the day before or at the door. Oh my gosh. So stressful. And it drives promoters and bookers and venues crazy, but that is just how it's going. And do you go into something like that? Like, I guess five people are showing up or, or do you like, have you been yeah. able to recondition yourself to be like, I know it's going to sell at the last minute? I mean, you're just always going like, you're just always gambling, going like, I hope it's going to be okay. <laughs> Can I manifest audience members? And it usually is okay, but it's, you can't, uh, all these models that I think we depended upon in all different kinds of ways in business and personal and professional and everything have been altered. Yeah. And we don't have new ones. It's just sort of like, right. eh, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, even with just being a parent, I'm sure you've thought this too. And people have asked me even over Instagram because they'll hear my podcast and they'll be like, what is it? Like, I, I don't know. I feel all this guilt. Like maybe this was the wrong time to bring mm, a child yeah. into the world and the guilt we all bear as parents, which I'm not saying there isn't terrible headlines on, out there, but sometimes I counter with, what was a good time? <laughs> like, Seriously. just to be clear. Right. What was a good time? Like during world wars or civil wars or right. economic yeah. downfall? Just to be clear. I know there was like the 80s. Was that the right moment? <laughs> like, what was it? Right. I know. That's so funny. I'm now thinking back. I'm like, okay, well, I was born in 75. Were things good then? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it is interesting. If you look at, of course, my mom, who is, you know, a much better parent than me, has the newspaper from the day I was born. And when you look at the headlines Aww. from that day, it's like, there's just as much urgency. Like it's just like the world was falling right. apart that day too, you know? Right. Right. Um, uh, falling you apart know. over the price of milk, by the way, but still falling apart. Yeah. Now it's the price of eggs. I don't know what right, eggs right. are over there, but they're uh, $10 here. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. This has been so fun. And I have to let you go because you have a dinner date with your lovely husband, <laughs> Jonathan, to go celebrate 17 years. Before I let you go, tell folks, what is the show? Where can they find the show? Sure. Is the show. And then who should listen to Parenting as a Joke? So, yeah, so I have a podcast called Parenting as a Joke. Thank you. Yeah, it is a podcast where I talk to other stand-up comics, comedians, funny people, a few musicians about what it's like to have that kind of career and also be a parent, you know, basically how they do it, this elusive idea of balance which I know none of us truly have. So we joke about that a lot, but also a lot of these different people have, like I said, put together their family in kind of non-traditional ways, whether they dealt with fertility issues or with surrogates or adoption or blended families. So it's also about just the redefinition of what it's like to have a family in also a non-traditional job. So I talk with them. It's, it's funny. We joke around a lot. You can find it, as we say, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> if you have the iHeartRadio app, you can do it that way, but all the ways. And, you know, obviously if you're a parent, you'll relate to so much of it, but I have lots of non-parent listeners who love comedy and love hearing these comics talk about their lives yeah. kind of from a different yes, point of view. Yes, I was going to say like behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah, because guess what? Some of them are human. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I didn't, I it gets very imagine. personal. It gets yeah. very personal very quickly, which I, I love. I love it. How are you showing, currently showing up as a shameless mom? You know, I guess the number one thing I'm doing is uh, I am thinking about that little voice in my head that sometimes is telling me that I, I'm not doing it right. Mm. And I'm putting that person on a couch beside me as if they were a roommate and I'm evicting them. Nice. I love it. 
I love it. So I'm okay. actually, I'm really thinking about my own self-talk, which is helping me be a better parent because it means I have more confidence and love. Mm, I love it. So good. Okay. So I want everyone to listen to Parenting is a Joke. Season one is out. Season two is coming out this month. So people can go over to wherever they listen to podcasts to, look, to catch that. We'll link everything in the show notes. If you go to shamelessmom.com and find the episode with Ophira Eisenberg, you'll see everything right there. Oh my gosh, Ophira, so fun to have you here. You have to come back again. This is, we didn't have enough Sarah, time. you're the best. It's so nice to talk to you. So, yes. so nice. Seriously, oh, so thank good. you. So good. Go enjoy your anniversary dinner. Okay, thanks. If you love Ophira as much as I do after listening to this interview, you definitely need to go download, subscribe, follow her podcast, Parenting is a Joke, the title of this episode, wherever you listen to podcasts. So go support Ophira's work, listen to more fun podcasts about parenting that are also like, you know, kind of sassy about parenting, <laughs> maybe like unprofessional, maybe irreverent about parenting. That's Ophira. That's me. That's us in a nutshell. <laughs> so go check out Parenting is a Joke wherever you listen to podcasts today. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.